speed of them. Look on the ASA. My gosh. They're all going against the wind. It was basically a cube with inside of sphere where the points of the cube uh, were touching outside of the sphere. That UFO podcast is powered by Zencaster. Zencaster is one of the world's leading platforms for recording and hosting podcasts. The open beta strives to put the power of studio quality remote video production into the hands of anyone with a story to tell. Some of the incredible features include live soundboard editing, automatic post-production and secured cloud backup. I do love that automatic post-production on my podcast. All running right from your browser so you can record from anywhere without ever installing anything. Check out the links in the show description to find out more. Hi everyone and welcome back to That UFO Podcast. My name is Andy and I've got Dan joining me for a breaking news update. Dan, how are we doing today? I'm great, thank you. It's been an eventful day. How are you? It has been an eventful day slash evening slash couple of days depending on when you're listening to this or how long you've been keeping track Uh, (laughs) we've got a few things to talk through for the news pod it's been great because it's only five days since the last one Uh, we are going to be touching on chris mellon's blog that just came out today some interesting points from that we're going to be talking on about the world ufo congress which actually starts tomorrow october the 8th at uh, the in barcelona and it's going to be a virtual conference as well some some good names listed for that one but of course i think there's, there's only one place to start and truly is breaking news. We heard last week on Disclosure Team's channel, our, our colleague from UAP Media and friend Vinny hosted Andy from NYUAP discussion on various different platforms that he had a video that was about 40 minutes long that had been leaked to him by an anonymous source from the Department of Homeland Security. DHS, not DHL, as Dan was telling me before we recorded. Dan's Those, been uh, almost... That, that's why my FOIA requests go amiss. Yeah. Delivery companies like DPE <laughs> getting FOIA requests off of Dan's, he's getting those wrong. But yeah, DHS, Department of Homeland Security. So big name, obviously, in governmental levels. Um, and there was a 40-minute video that was a flare video of a UAP. Now, listen, you've, you've got to be honest. Cards on the table. It's came out now. People have seen it. There's been loads of discussion. Before it came out, Dan, Andy was accused, and I don't think necessarily unfairly, of of a lot of hype behind this, but maybe the way he went about it was, and maybe that's just his character. It's not how we would have done it, but that's our opinion. Um, he was pretty brash about it, I think would be a fair statement, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't disagree with that. Andy would be the first person to say that he's, uh, you know, he's a big character. He he makes me think of, um, you know, the typical New Yorker. Just you, you know, they stand up for everyone very, uh, I don't very loudly and proudly. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know. Just what very mean, yeah. passionate, you know. Very, he's very, very confident. Yeah. Yeah, so Andy had this video coming out and there was a lot of expletives and, you know, middle fingers to the haters of the world. I think that's what the kids say, um, that this video is going to come out and it's going to change our minds and, you know, we'll see what happens then and, you know, more power to him. But like I said, let's just wait and see people. Andy's obviously 
done a lot of work to get this out it's not an easy thing to do you put your neck on the line and let's just see once the video comes out uh what it's got within it as well so dan the video eventually was uploaded late last night there was a bit of flurry of activity on the old ufo twitter where we were watching screenshots of the upload times due to various uh, connection issues eventually it landed though online we got a 40 minute long hd flare video uh well i say hd it was an hd quality on youtube it's called the rubber duck video, which probably is an unfortunate name, but that is due to the resemblance. If people haven't seen it yet, I'm sure most of you have. If you have not, check it out. It's on all of our social media. We'll put the links in this description as well, if Dan can make a note of that to put that link in for me. Um, what were your immediate thoughts, Dan, on on the video? The video itself is fairly, you know, initially it's it's kind of unimpressive you know the the object kind of comes in it's going in a straight line we're kind of all looking at these videos now looking for observables and as far as you know i I can tell there really aren't any on display here let me let me ask you dan i would ask you that with i don't know what i'm looking at okay even though from your notes i can see you've got a good idea what we're looking at in in many ways (laughs) however one of the big selling points of this for people, I'm sure, was the fact it was 40 minutes long. This isn't to be confused with what some of the senators quoted um, when it came to the classified UAP task force report. They saw 40 minutes of pure science fiction. This isn't that. This isn't what they saw, whether that was a collage or other videos. This is a completely separate video. That has been apparently, and we have to say apparently, allegedly leaked by someone at the DHS, an anonymous source to Andy, uh, to get to to release the video. If this video, Dan, had been thirty seconds long, would it have made any difference at all? No, I don't think so. the The nice thing about the length here is that you know sustained observation generates a lot of data. We've already seen that happening. You know, the video came out, everyone's kind of chewing through it in their own way, plotting points on maps and, you know, figuring out the speed between two of those points and the field of view of the camera, so on and so forth. So there's there's a lot of data to go through. But in a way, you're right. There's not really much more there, at least, you know, from from my uh, unprofessional eyes. Let me ask, Dan, if the, the Tic Tac video had been 40 minutes long, but presented in the same way that we see it, would it have been any more incredible or any less incredible than it is? No. And this is the thing, right? With the Tic Tac video, everyone complains that it's just a, a blurry video. And they're kind of right, but it doesn't stand on its own. There's all this testimony that goes around with it, um, an experience of all these trusted individuals, um, you, you know, who, who had a lot of, they, they were sitting on a lot of money and power, basically. Um, <clears throat> whereas... With this one, we don't have a chain of custody, really, because we're coming up against that anonymous wall again. Um, And as always, it kind of leaves me feeling, I wish they didn't say anything until the... the... It kind of leaves me feeling that I wish they didn't say anything until the analysis uh, from the organization that's doing that comes out. Sure. And there... There are people, 
Um, actually, Joe Murgia has said online that he's had it confirmed that Rich Hoffman, uh, part of SCU, uh, they are analysing the video. So, cool. so Dan... I won't make a note to edit that bit out then. Yeah, so what what you mentioned before uh, and then paused is a nice little sneak peek into Dan knew that the SCU was... And do you know what? That as, as a very, very quick side note, I was asked on the Discord chat, which you get as part of being a Patreon, about, oh, did you guys know this was coming out? And I, I all I said was that, we well, again, we're never the types to to overhype stuff if we're told something in confidence we're told it in confidence uh, as with anything and i always use the same example of the task force report stuff that if and when people tell you stuff in confidence it should just stay as that but we would try and make sure anything we were told um we used it in the right way possible to to help us understand something further before something was released or benefit the show what we won't do is is take a piece of news and information and splash it as an exclusive for for people on the show if it's not meant to be that because let's be honest you can end up looking pretty stupid as well even with the best best will and intention so um yeah there was there was some stuff of kicking about online and i know some people had said they'd seen snippets of this video and stuff before and and all that jazz but yeah so like dan says the scu are looking at this analyzing it that still doesn't mean that it's going to ultimately cut turn out to be uh, something anomalous because as we found out earlier today Lou Elizondo was quoted by journalist Henry Holloway and his article in the Sun newspaper in the UK pretty divisive newspaper given some of its uh, spurious history to be honest but that's that's more of a UK thing um, Henry is at least covering the subject and he mentioned uh, that Lou had said it could just be balloons now Lou tends to pick his words quite carefully and again, you may fall on the side of being a Luella Zondo fan supporter or not, but that probably for me leans towards that Lou and potentially others don't see enough in this video for it to be something necessarily anomalous. That doesn't mean that, again, you don't appreciate that Andy has gone to lengths to leak it because someone has given the video for whatever reason. So again, I look at the positive that more footage like this could come out, but that's not to say that the SCU analysis doesn't show maybe there is something to it. What stands out for you, Dan, as, as you know, highlights of the video? Sure. So for, for me, that well, it's been a bit of a learning day because when you see these systems, you know, I'm not used to looking at them. So you have to look at manuals and kind of listen to the people who know what they're talking about. Um, Dave Falch put up a, a great analysis of the video. Um and so I'll kind of defer to what Dave was talking about, where he highlights that the object is uniform cold temperature, um, and quite intensely so. Apparently, spray exists uh, to mask that kind of thing and to make an object look a uniform temperature. I'm not sure how accessible that would be, to because basically this is on the, the border between the US and Mexico. Um, and it was a drug patrol plane that, that took the video. So this could be a drug mule drone, you know, a, a bag full of fentanyl underneath or something like that. But it's strange that it's entirely one temperature. You'd at least expect the, the aspect of the object that has an engine in to be hotter than the rest of the object, right? Um, yeah. So there's that. But the interesting thing there is um, Jeremy McGowan pointed out that when you set up a, a FLIR camera, you actually give it a uh, something to search for. So you'll set that temperature. So the guys on the border would be looking for 
people crossing the border so they'd be tracking for the human body temperature. Yeah. When cold shows, oh, sorry, when white shows cold, all that means is, is that that object is colder than the temperature it's set at. So it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a cold object. It just means that it's colder than whatever it's been set at, which I thought was interesting. I didn't know that before today. Yeah. And if anyone knows otherwise, I'm sure that'll come out if that's not massively oh, yeah. correct. But I mean, that, you, you can always bank on the internet to tell you when yeah, you're wrong. It's, it's a we, good tool sometimes. Yeah. I mean, right now you're listening to this using the internet. So we are the internet telling you <laughs> that Dan's right. But um, we are the internet experiencing itself. Um, but yeah, no, it's I, I, we have to take that at face value that Jeremy is correct. And if that's correct, then great point from, from Jeremy McGowan, to be honest. Yeah, you, have to, interesting. you have to give that plaudits. Dan, something that I asked you earlier today, I sent you a, a voice memo, didn't I, saying this might be a stupid question. However, is how I caveated it. We were talking in the UAP media group and you guys were mentioning that it looked like the object had travelled anything from 50 or 5 sorry, to 20 miles in total. My question to you was, why on the, the face of this, you can see the speed tends to go anything from 80, 90 to up to 200 miles per hour at some point. Why has it travelled such a short distance then? Because it looks like to the naked eye the object is traveling from right right to left being tracked and moving at a speed so worst case scenario i do some very very rough maths in my head and i think if it's 40 minutes that's two-thirds of an hour and let's take the 100 mile an hour as an average then that must be going about that must have traveled 60 70 miles in that time why is it traveled such a, a short distance when it's meant to be going such fast speeds and they're not incredible speeds they're not it's not 2000 miles an hour it's not 10000 miles an hour it's it's relatively comfortable speeds for a drone or an aircraft why is it traveled such a short distance well one one of the strange things about the object is that it slows down and speeds up throughout the video so that speed is going to be changing so though it may reach you know 200 miles an hour or 150 miles an hour whatever's been sighted it doesn't necessarily mean it was that doing that speed for longer than 20 seconds say um you, you know they're just doing essentially what you're doing is just calculating uh, what is it distance equals speed over time um and they just have a different map essentially for for what it's doing um looking at the flight path of the plane as well you can see that the plane is kind of comes back on itself and and you, you know it changes direction so whereas the video looks like it's just along one track that's not necessarily the case so it might be that the object isn't going the way that you instinctively think it's going in the video but that'll come out with more analysis i've seen people online say that it could be a zip wire for drug mules do drug mules have zip wires that long on the border? Now, we're, we're talking a multi, multi, multi million, potentially billion dollar industry here, trafficking drugs over the borders. So I, I'm not saying that they couldn't, but is that likely given what we see in this video? Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I've not heard of that being used before. It doesn't mean there isn't. I, I've been on the highest and longest zip wire in, in Wales. Um, with a bag of fentanyl no no fentanyl no okay. <laughs> um, just, just me um and it i don't know it, it just strikes me you'd be able to pick that up on some kind of system you know the metal of the wire would reflect something like that it would get worn down over time you you'd pick that kind of thing up i think 
the the border patrol would see the safety guy standing on the platform making sure it was all strapped <laughs> in properly and it conformed and yeah and i mean 10 minute instructional it, video it, it's all good at being invisible until the border patrol plane flies into it right yeah exactly yeah that's so for me the zip wire thing surely doesn't wash with the the length of time and distance i would get a very short zip wire but surely not something traveling that that kind of length either um anything else for you You, again you'd want to kind of vary up your path if you were bringing drugs over the border too you wouldn't kind of use the same thing repeatedly exactly yeah um so yeah it just strikes me as a good way of getting caught doing that yeah and anything else for you dan on the video that, that stands out before we move on not especially i i feel like we've covered everything i'd I'd recommend you know people always ask for a chain of custody um if you do have a video like this don't just splurge it on social media um you you know talk to some some of the reputable people in in the community and they'll kind of set you right and help help get you the right contacts and the analysis done um and don't don't tell people it's amazing in hd before they've seen it because you know big hype big letdown every single time yeah that's it so um again thank you to andy and uh it's appreciated getting this out and for me and i'm sure for yourself dan we are looking forward to the the next step which would be that analysis but i think absolutely we can, we can enjoy talking about this stuff and and looking at it taking it for what it's worth and again i think we're lucky to live in a time where we get stuff like this uh coming out so it's it's, a, it's another source, isn't it? Because Jeremy Corbell, rightly or wrongly, was getting slated for some of his releases and hyping. And I suppose it was nice to see slightly left field someone out of the blue. You know, I've got a video, here it is. And yeah, do you know what? At the end of the day, they seem to have come through with a genuine video from the DHS. So yeah, that's, that's true. That's fair play. I, I take it, Dan, you still right now, do you lean on the side of nothing anomalous for you? I'm I'm happy letting the unknown plate spin for a bit. Um, like you say, wait for the SEU analysis. I don't really know what I'm looking at, and anyone that tells you they do is uh, just ignore them. <laughs> the, the so unknown. ignore everything I've said for the past <laughs> quarter of an hour. The the, the unknown uh, plate, the spinning plate, Dan. But who's spinning the plate? That's the question. That's <laughs> who is the plate? Who, yeah, who is the plate? So, um, yeah, again, thank you again to Dave Falch for very quickly breaking that down as well. And we will put Dave's uh, link for his YouTube in the description for you to check that out too. Um, we've talked how last month in San Marino, there was bid conference that is hoping or hopefully going to be yearly as well. Just in 24 hours, as we record this, not even that, tomorrow, October 8th, 2021, uh, till October 10th at the Hotel Novotel in Barcelona, there are three days of science and spirituality, an opening to consciousness in a unique event. It is the World UFO Congress going on in Barcelona. Dan, is it just me or did this one kind of sneak up on people? Um, Yeah, I, I mean, these things tend to have a habit of doing that. I'm, I'm living in the rainy uk right now i'd I'd like to go to the ufo conference (laughs) in barcelona that is yeah it'll be nice out there and some of the names attending uh avi loeb uh, jacques valet paola harris they'll be discussing the trinity event i'm sure members of isar gary Hesseltine's out there and there will be other names as well not necessarily that, that i am familiar with but it seems to be quite a mix of names i suppose for me what gets interesting is there's a lot of people at this event where 
I, I don't want I don't want to pigeonhole the whole love and light stuff, but there's a lot of people who are into that side of it, this really spiritual side of of things, and you know, entities and consciousness. Are, are, and these, are have, these the real love and light people, or the ones that get angry when you say things about them? I believe these are the the love Ironically and light people so. who preach the love and light side of things. Okay, that's good, um, and that's that's their bag, which is more power to them. But you've also then got a really serious scientist like Avi Loeb involved. You've got Jacques Vallée involved as well. You've got people representing ICER there too. So it's it's quite a mix, isn't it, than what you would maybe normally get at some of these events. And is that, for me, it's a positive sign that of the spin and how the how these events are viewed and how in future they may be attended as well. Is that a, a good thing for you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the fact that Avi Loeb is there and can mix with Valet and Paula Harris and the members of ISA, you know, the the presentations might not be people's bags, but the people present in the same location and the conversations they'll have behind closed doors could yeah. amount to some really cool things. Absolutely. And again, you never know who else is there that isn't necessarily named, especially when they're being held in Europe. I think this is a real positive that if you've got people like Paolo Gazzardi, who is one of the head guys heading up Project Titan, you've got the potential for you know Tim McMillan's. I don't know if he's attending, but people who are based far more locally to to Europe than they are to the US can get together and talk at these events. You can get your Lou Elizondo's heading. I don't think he's at this one particularly. I know he's not, but you, you can get people like that attending events and meeting new faces, new people, new politicians, new officials that they can meet in a safe place and have these discussions and you don't know what comes of it. So it's no longer necessarily just an event. You know, you can attend the event. Again, we'll put the link in the, the description. Um, it's a virtual event as well. So by a lot of good talks available, you can buy them separately. Nothing we're affiliated with. It's just, you know, these things are getting back up and running, which is great. But it's what could come of these now because there's a different set of eyes on them. There's a different interest. And like what we're seeing with the, the interview I've just done with Cut Dry Mungo, which we'll talk about in a little bit, um, there are different ears and eyes now focusing on this subject and events like this could take on a whole different meaning. So it's it's exciting. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to see if anything comes of this because we expected nothing really from San Marino uh, and look what happened off the back of that. Yeah, absolutely. We're we're in um, explosive times with this subject. You know, things that feel like small steps in the community. Actually, when viewed in hindsight, th this is kind of we're, we're on a mountain. Yeah, and, and we said before. I think if you can just take a step back, these things don't happen overnight. When you look at the the recent bills going through the the Senate for approval and the UAP task force stuff, it wasn't a case of within a few weeks these conversations were had and boom, overnight it was it was in the halls of government. These things happen six months before and nine months before in, in meetings at someone's house or you know via an email sent to someone through a third-party contact and they grow from there. So this is another chance for that kind of stuff to, to grow and blossom, especially for those who really feel that this should be an international effort. That's that's what excites me, and hopefully we get to see one of these held in the UK eventually as well. If not, Dan, we'll just have to try and put one on ourselves, eh? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if if all these people would like to come over for free, Dan and I will make some coffees. <laughs> I'll I'll get the Starbucks uh, bought for people, but I'll, I'll get the biscuits. Yeah, I would love to see a series serious events like this, or or even more serious, shall I say, just for my own personal taste, being held in the UK 
with the right names attached as well. And you're as well with five or six proper serious names as opposed to 60 or 70 that just go for quantity over quality for for what you're looking to achieve. But that's not to say you can't cover a wide range of subjects because there are people who have their interests in, in various different aspects of the of the subject as well. So, yep, that's the uh, the World UFO Congress starting uh, tomorrow, October 8th till October 10th in Barcelona. The links, again, are in the description. Uh, similarly, uh, on October 19th, I believe, uh, you can check again the links for this. Robert Salas has been uh, doing a crowdfunding effort to have another event at the Press Club, Dan, hasn't he, uh, to do with the phenomenon, uh, the UAPs and also nuclear weapons. What are your thoughts on this? Well, immediately, you know, people always think or say when this stuff happens, um, how is it different to last time? And you kind of just touched on that. We're we're in a very different environment now. And I think if Robert was to, you know, successfully put on this event, I think he'd have a lot more attendance from mainstream journalists who want to know the history that he so concisely put together, you know, from the mouths of the people that happened it, it, it happened to. And it's one of those events that, you know, what you were getting out there kind of saying that the future of uh, ufology uh, conferences could actually become a really serious meeting of the minds endeavor going forward. Um, this is kind of the tone that I think you were, you were nudging toward, right? Yeah. So again, if you look at the, the article itself, which is released through the National Press Club, it is a, a news conference, UAP and nuclear weapons witness testimonies. It's a panel of former US Air Force officers discussing their involvement with UAP incidents at nuclear missile bases and test sites during the Cold War era. So we are talking real high ranking people, mostly, if not all exclusively, no longer with the military who have had experiences of you know nuclear missiles being being messed about with by UAP pretty intense subject very interesting very sensitive and it starts at 9am on tuesday october 19th um i don't know if that's 9am pacific time eastern time i've I've not got that information but you can check it out on the the press.org website as well um there will be media in attendance but they all are there via invite only so it's credentialed media specified guests and congressional staff i'm I'm just gonna jump in there with a recommendation for a documentary people watch that's kind of to do with this, but kind of not. Um, it's about, uh, it's called The Man Who Saved the World, about uh, a gentleman called Stanislav Petrov. And he he basically was one of the guys at the launch button when a false launch was happening. And he, he doesn't say that his event involved a UAP. It really doesn't matter. But watching that documentary and watching him recount those seconds and what was going through his mind, what could happen if that missile launched, it really drives home the importance of that connection and the importance of why we have to look at this. Yeah, and and you've got some people here that are willing to have that conversation again with a military background, which many people do appreciate and like, and and coming out and openly discussing this subject. So this will be one uh, worth looking at, folks. Again, if you check that out, the link is in the description. Um, good job done by Robert Salas with his crowdfunding. Well done to all those who donated as well. And we'll see what comes of this in a couple of weeks. And Dan and I will report back on it as well. Uh, Dan, final bit of news for the week before we mention a few different things ourselves. Uh, Chris Mellon released a new blog today. Uh, Should Congress create an OSD office for UAP issues? Now, 
what I thought was really interesting reading this blog from from Christopher Mellon was we've been really happy and excited about the potential going looking at these bills that we've talked about several times now, Dan, that they're going to create a, a permanent UAP office. Chris Mellon, I mean, some may look at it almost negatively, but makes a very valid point that we shouldn't necessarily see that as a win because we really should be wanting more from this. And that is more in a sense of if it's going to be a permanent office like the UBP task force was, that's two people sitting in a room with no time to do anything. And he made the point, if it was again, two people in a room, that was the staff, their whole day would be taken up with meetings and chasing people up and they would have no time to do the actual work required to be done. And Chris Mellon himself has said, this needs to be an office that is made a part of an already existing organization within the US government that it's got a big budget, big resources, big staff, and is taken seriously. What What were your thoughts on this? It was, well, firstly, it's always nice to hear from Christopher Mellon. He, he's one of these people who speaks very little, and when he speaks, you you listen, right? Um, Dan, did, did I tell you Chris is coming on the podcast soon? Are you going to make my head blow up? No, I, I really want to say that one day, and I will. But that's that is that is my Christmas wish list. That you you would have just had a minute of silence when my drawer yeah. was dropped open. Unless you're watching on YouTube, it would just sound like an error. Just in the off chance someone nudges us, Chris Farmelin's way. I, among with every other YouTuber or podcaster or whoever, uh, would love to speak to Chris Mellon. And yeah, I would I would do a four AM interview for ten minutes of Chris's time. So yeah, that's that's the high regard I hold him in. It, that that kind of speaks to the point I'm going to make, actually. When I read that blog post, I thought to myself, who is this for? You know, is this for the UFO community? No, I don't think so. I don't think this is a coincidence that it's that, that Chris has posted this <clears throat> not long after those bills have progressed, yeah. you know, on their way to becoming law. I think what we're seeing is essentially Chris arguing the points of what should be included in such a bill for the people who are currently deciding that behind closed doors. I think yeah. that's what this is. And and I was happy to hear him say, basically, the problem has been that all the information has been siloed. We need to not do that again. If we create the organization inside one of those silos, it's going to have limited information. It needs to be one of the head of the Hydra. You know, it, it can't be one of the feet, so to speak. Yeah, it was it was some really good points. Again, like I've said previously, we'll put the the links in the description as well. Chris Mellon posted it on his various social media accounts too. You can check out on ChristopherMellon.net. But it, it's a very valid point that you should almost you know accept your accept your win, but you have to keep moving forward with this. And if you just accept that we've got an office potentially being set up, brilliant. No, we've got an office being set up, but we need to make sure as best we can or those who have the the ability and the power to do so, it's the best it can be. And if that can be 20 people instead of two, amazing. But if it can only be three or four people instead of two, that's twice the staff. That's what we need to be looking at. And, and like Chris Mellon said, and he knows where he's coming from, um, you know, he's, he's someone who has a massive involvement, at least in the past, with the intelligence community. He knows what this needs to be. And I'm sure his, his colleagues like Luis Elizondo and others would absolutely echo those statements as well. So yeah, really good post. People should check out that from from Chris Mellon, and I think you're you're spot on, Dan. That uh, I'll I'll do a Dan and say absolutely. Um, <laughs> you're you're correct that the this isn't aimed at us. This is put out there for us to see. But Chris is talking to some specific people, 
when you see stuff like this. So, yep, fair play and thank you to, to Chris Mellon for that. Uh, that's all in terms of news. couple of things, though, to mention, folks. Uh, the interview with Kurt Jai Mungo is available now. It is live on patreon.com forward slash that UFO podcast. Or if you sign up on Apple Premium, you can still get a two-week free trial. Just click the button and you'll be able to listen at early access and ad-free to myself and Kurt Jai Mungo. Dan, you were the first person to listen to it. I hadn't even listened to it. I don't listen back to my interviews. Uh, you enjoyed it? I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a very, very refreshing interview. Um, more people like Kurt are going to be coming into this subject in the future. So it's great to start hearing what they think about this. I was going to say community, but subject at large, not really the community. Um, self-reflection is good for all of us kind of carrying this message and trying to help people find the right stuff um amongst the muddy water and listen i'll I'll be honest for me uh it's i'll thank kurt because it was a different type of interview for me and it's one that will definitely help and improve my skills interviewing people Uh, people ask i don't have a background in interviewing i haven't done this before i started the podcast um i'm just nosy and like asking questions and you listening to this seem to enjoy that so thanks um so again speaking to kurt was a different experience for me he's a different mind he's a very different thinker to what i'm used to and it definitely made for an interesting conversation so i appreciated his time and check out his theories of everything youtube channel do you know right at the start of the interview dan i called it the theory of everything and I could see in his face, he was like, ah, oh, you got it wrong. But I mean, that's called, the ultimate goal, right? Just, But I will say, Dan, he called it the UF, UFO podcast, the UFO <laughs> podcast with Ross Coulthard. So uh, I will just say to Kurt, if you're listening, we are even, um, <laughs> even though it wasn't deliberate. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. And I look forward to speaking to Kurt again in the future as he continues his journey and exploration of, of this topic and subject. And in a couple of weeks time, Kurt has Lou Elizondo back on for Lou's longest ever interview so that'll be an interesting one as well am i right in thinking that's two and a half hours yeah two and a half hours so that'll be that'll be a good one i should have lou back on in the next couple of weeks for his second part of his listener question show so very much looking forward to that one the last one was a massive success and people really seem to take a lot from it um which which was great um you can also going forward folks on patreon.com if you sign up on the five dollar tier or above you will now get early access to upcoming interviews on youtube as well previously those have dropped on the night of the free audio releases but with the popularity and the 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 ask for it then myself and dan are striving to get those out as quickly as possible as well so you'll now get early access through a link we send you on patreon.com or you can sign up through youtube directly as a youtube member for the exact same benefit um, as you would get on Patreon with the video access. Uh, and finally, this Saturday, myself and Graham Rendell will be at the UFO Minicon in Preston. I'm looking forward to this. I, I am just distressed just attending as someone turning up with a ticket. I am not a part of the conference. Um, it's, I just helped uh, Ash promote it as part of you know um, the early days of him announcing it. Graham is even now stepping in to do a presentation due to a last-minute guest cancellation. And I've got to say, I am buzzing to see that graham will be now presenting at this because i think graham is uh absolutely underutilized untapped in this subject and uh i very much look forward to that graham's coming on the podcast next week for an interview and uh, i look forward to that speaking about the foo fighters of world war ii 
And I think people who have bought a ticket for that event, I believe it's almost sold out, if not sold out now. So check online if you are thinking about going. They might still be able to squeeze you in. You'll be able to meet myself and Graham there as well. Say hello to everyone. Uh, like we're Kanye and Kim Kardashian, you know. Oh, they're actually, they're divorced now, so they would be. <laughs> uh, I am just Graham's chauffeur for the event. Uh, we'll be there and be good to see folks and just meet people in person, especially since the first time I started the podcast, being able to meet people who listen to the podcast will be pretty cool uh, yeah that's true because you started in lockdown yeah yeah may 2020 was the first episode so wow very much that's looking forward to, to that opportunity it, it has flown by yeah and lots more to come from the podcast as well and just a heads up folks something you're going to see dropping over the next couple of weeks uh, recently, you have seen lots of talk online from various experiencers, people having a frustration that their stories aren't being heard out there in the world of, of ufology and in the mainstream particularly. And it, it's caused a lot of conversation back and forward as to how and when the experiencer part of this phenomena should come into the, the, you know, the story or into the narrative. Now, I am going to be speaking to a few different experiencers, allowing them to share their story. I'm going to try and make it less an interview with them and allow them just the time to share their story on the podcast. And I'm going to be releasing the the interviews or, or sharing separately. So it's not going to be a roundtable or loads of people talking at once or like a call-in format. It's going to be separate shows with people sharing their story, if that's how it's going to work out. So I look forward to that. It's something different for myself. And I do um, really look forward to giving these people a platform to share their stories, which absolutely deserve to be heard because there, there are such a wide range of emotions and experiences that these people go through. Um, it's not just having a sighting. I'm not an experiencer. I've seen some UFOs. I've seen some things I can't explain, or at least I can explain, but I don't know what they are. I'm not an experiencer, though. These are people with true, sometimes regular experiences throughout their whole lives. And I look forward to speaking with them and giving them the platform to share their story. Um, I, I won't spoil any of their stories, but I'd just like to add that the stories, when you hear them from experiences, are often much odder than what is out there in the kind of mainstream ufology you know it's not all reptilians and mantises and greys there are some much much more out there stories and dan that's all for us then so thank you very much dan for joining me thank you as always it's been fun it has. And folks, if I don't see you this Saturday in Preston at the UFO Minicon, look forward to hearing your feedback on the Kurt Jai Mungle interview, which will be coming up on the free feeds this Monday, the 11th of October. But remember, if you want to support myself and Dan, support the podcast, you can get it early access ad free over at Patreon and Apple. Once again, folks, thanks for listening. See you soon. That is all for this week's show. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to leave the podcast a review on your chosen platform. You can like, retweet and subscribe. That would all be very much appreciated. The shows are being uploaded onto YouTube as we speak more and more. You can sign up at patreon.com forward slash that UFO podcast to access shows ad free as well. Please get in touch on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, that UFO podcast. Of course, on Twitter, it's at UFO, U-A-P-A-M. And again, folks, as always, keep looking up. You never know what you might see. It wasn't a tic-tac and not quite a saucer, more like a hubcap designed by Chaucer, a little Baroque and quite steampunk, like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of The little fucker hovered right outside of my window, and when I shut
popped out the screen, he made it an issue. I don't think he expected me to see his ass, but I'd had some champagne and smoked a little bit. Meditative game of fateful on meta. I can't imagine how it could have been any better. I got to the top of the stairs and there he was. Like you awake? I was about to abduct you, cuz. Thank you.